Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. Mittwoch, 20 Uhr. Herzlich willkommen zu Burlesque on Air, der weltweit ersten Burlesque-Radiosendung. Wie immer mit Lada Redstar und wir haben einen neuen Host und zwar neu dabei ist Lilly Tiger. Ich, Susanne, bin als Co-Moderatorin dabei und nun ein warmes Willkommen an Lada Redstar und Lilly Tiger. Welcome back, dear listeners. Welcome back to your monthly appointment with burlesque, your monthly appointment with sex, your monthly appointment with everything that is naughty. Welcome to Burlesque on Air. And uh, this is a radio show where you share your stories with us. And there are many things that you can do it. You can send us an email on questions.burlesconair at gmail.com. But from this month, there is a very, very new and special way to join us, ladies. Yes, you can talk directly to us and you can leave us a message on our answering machine. And yes, there is an actual number where you can join us. And I'm gonna give it to you now. So take your pen and take some paper and write it down. It's 0049 I will repeat it again. We will repeat it again during the show because we know it's a long number and it's not so easy to remember. So 0049 30-61-09-00-59-742 And this is a landline, so it's an easy number to join. You can call it from foreign countries. You're not gonna spend more money than a normal, calling a normal phone number. And it's a new way that you can tell us your story, yes. Because from this month, the formula of the show changes a little bit. As uh, some of you might know, uh, my co-host Lady Lou has left us for a baby break and we miss her dearly, but well, well, the naughty stories had to go on. So we have a new co-host in the radio show and the formula changes a little bit because if we are, you are not gonna ask us questions anymore, but we are going to ask you to tell us your stories. So with me, the person who you're going to be able to tell your stories to is Lily Tiger. She's a burlesque performer. She's a naughty, naughty lady. Uh, she's a very smart woman. And that's why she was my first choice for when I had to decide who would replace the irreplaceable position of Lady Lou. Welcome to the show, Lily Tiger. You're not a radio virgin anymore. Well, thank you, Lada. Thank you very much. Thank you for being your first choice. I'll, I'll do a first choice job, I'm, I think. And um, well, I mean, tonight I was still kind of like a radio virgin. But over the past two weeks, you've actually like uh, made me jump into the cold waters of a new experience altogether. So I'm very excited to share this with our audience, actually. 
And you might ask, dear listener, what is Lily Tiger talking about? What have we been doing for the past two weeks? Oh my god. So we have decided that this August edition would be a special summer edition. And who says summer? Says heat. And who says heat? Says nude bodies who are enjoying the sun, free and naked. Oh yes, we have been exploring the nudist side of Berlin. We have been going to adventures here and there, on beaches, in saunas, um, in parks, tantric yoga, nude yoga. We have been doing all this just for you and we're gonna share these experiences with you. Lily Tiger, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the FKK culture in Germany? What is it? What does FKK stand for? Well, if you if you pronounce it in English, FKK sounds like a like a secret society or something. Well, it's not that secret, but it's an abbreviation for the German word Freikörperkultur. Yes, that, that's a very long, very typically long German word. That this doesn't sound as sexy as the result of it. Uh, well, are. exactly. But it is pretty sexy. And it's actually, if you translate it, it's a culture about the nude bodies or the free bodies. So, well, we free our bodies from any piece of clothing that are possibly around and we just spread out uh, into the country on uh, beaches and um, parks and whatever. <laughs> so this culture has actually been growing since the beginning of the 20th century in Germany, especially afterwards it was very big in Eastern Germany as much as it was very big in Yugoslavia where I have grown. So I have been a nudist, a proud nudist my whole life. That is my background. I have almost never worn a bathing suit in my life unless I had to. So what about your nudist background? Well, I am from the western part of Germany originally. So actually, I never experienced this culture as a child. And I have to say, until, the, uh, until today, I still prefer to have a little bit of clothing on me. Um, yes, so it was a very new experience for me. Oh I love my God, I might be <laughs> regretting to have chosen you as a co-host. I said that you were the naughty lady and you're not? Well, I don't think it's naughty to, to, be, to be naked in a park. It's, it's, it can be an expression of something. Um, and I, I understand it and I totally um, support it. But it's not necessarily naughty. It doesn't have to do anything with sexuality, does it? Well, it can. It can, Possibly. I mean, you yes. know. But yeah, in general it doesn't. So we are going to explore that with you and we've actually interviewed many, many people today in the park in Berlin. So we're going to share with you uh, which one of those people found that there was a sexual part in the nudist uh, culture, which one of those didn't, which one of those found a philosophical side of it, and which one just found that they were feeling free and happy to be just naked and to feel the fresh air and the wind on their skin and the caress of the sun. Uh, we have asked to our listeners as well online a little bit to share their experiences with us, and we had many, many many positive returns, many people who were just so happy to be naked around, and as well some concerns from some people, for example, an Indian listener of ours, who said that he was practicing nudism when he was still single and young, and that he would enjoy really, really a lot to be naked in his flat, but um, he was very ashamed nowadays that he was married as well, and 
he said that Indian people, they sort of have the penises on the small side. So he was quite ashamed on his size. And what we actually learned from all this adventure was that... Um, the body was seen as such a natural thing and if you go to nudist uh, uh, beaches or parks or saunas or yogas, nobody's actually gonna judge you for your size or for anything that your body could be, any anything that you could see as a default. Yeah, not only that, I think that this this topic didn't ever pop up in our, in our interviews with all the people we talked Um nobody ever mentioned any of this you know either you wanted to do it and you just did it and wanted to be free or you probably weren't at that place at that time <laughs> exactly so why don't we jump in the topic right away and let's see what do people think about the new the nudist culture and what do real people think yes we went naked in the Hasenheide park in berlin and we interviewed people naked the whole day so let's see what do they think about it and how do they feel about being naked in a public park in berlin Sex. Sex. well hello It's a beautiful, sunny, very hot day and Lada and Lily are out trying to do something exciting and we ended up in the naked, the FKK area of Hasenheide and we've had some interesting things to see and we're still there and we can still see stuff going on. Well, we didn't exactly end it up here. <laughs> We looked, <laughs> we looked for this place. It's easy to spot because you arrive on this little field full with little daisies and trees and little birds singing and many, many, many naked men. So yes, and there is a naked penis approaching us slowly. He's dingling and dingling and dingling. Tralala. So, yeah, it's <laughs> my ding ding dong. <laughs> So we might try to interview that guy as well. Yeah, sure. Why not? Before he is going away naked. He's running oh, now. He's running now. He's ding-a-ding-a-dingling his ding-dong. Can we interview you about the FKK about culture what? in Berlin? Yes, we go. Yeah. Sit, sit down with us if you, you want. You can have a sip of wine. So we just want to interview people and try it a little bit to get to know why do they like being naked? Why do they feel free? And why would they prefer coming to the Heisenheide FKK part of the park instead of going to like a normal one? Would you like to introduce first yourself? if you, Or you can stay anonymous and invent like a, a fancy name. <laughs> Hi. Okay, so I'm Dave. I'm from Berlin. And yes, I've been grew up here, and uh, that's my hometown. And I like just this situation, this atmosphere. It's quite free, of course, as you can see. And uh, my opinion is so. It's real nice weather, so it's hot, it's sunny, and um, why shouldn't it be allowed to sit outside and being naked? So it feels in somehow fantastic to feel the sun on the skin and the wind and um, I'm just feeling a bit free <laughs> and um, um, at the beginning of August I'm going to France mm -hmm. there's a um, real big um, nudist camp in the very south it's um, Cap Dacte it's the name of this town and I'm going to see how it will be so it's I think 50,000 um, naked 50,000, really? yes. 
and um, I will be or I will stay on the camping side and there are about 5,000. So for you it's really something that you love to do and when did you start the first time to go to New Zealand? From the very first uh, time on so I'm from the eastern part of Germany so um, maybe it's another culture to get in contact with this so um, for me as a child it was really normal to be naked um, not in situations like this here in the park um, but but um, when being at the Baltic Sea or somewhere in the lake here around Berlin it was really normal to be naked with the family parents so do you think that for you it's just a question of pleasure, of just being free and not care too much? Or do you think there's like a deeper philosophy, for you at least, behind it? Or is it just a question, ah, oh, I just want to be free and feel I good? Just, I yeah. just choose on option one, so it's no deeper sense and yeah. somehow it's just for feeling better. But um, I guess or I think um, that there's um, yeah, two different... Um, points um, in the in the development here in our society so at the one side um, people doing this more and more one part of the people and others they are just um, afraid of being naked and and then you have these things that it's uh, forbidden to take photos of your own child or children when they're naked or so it's it's really strange this development that's what happened to us recently on, a, on the page, on the Facebook page of our radio show, we published a picture of me when I was a kid and I was naked, yes, yes. saying, oh, this was my first duty's adventure, and the yes, picture got reported right away. Someone commented it was child porn and stuff, when it was just like a natural thing. It was just an innocent picture of a kid being happy on the beach. Do you think, um, why, why is it that it's mostly men who are, who are being naked here? Especially at this yeah. side, so maybe... <laughs> so I'm gay and I guess most of the men are gay too so it's just this place here <laughs> so do you mean that there in the little woods some strange things happen is that the thing yes <laughs> yeah because quite often I found out that in uh, because I love nudist beaches and stuff and most of the time they're, they're invaded by gays of course so the b- most beautiful places like for example in the south of France next to uh, Nice there are many nudist beaches and it's actually uh, places for gay people to meet and then there's me in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, it's, the, it's always the most beautiful places. Right, okay, yeah. That, thanks for the answer. <laughs> and then uh, the last thing, we saw you dingling, dingling around and running and what was going on in, in your mind when you just started like jumping like a little, little uh, happy goat around? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious to know what was the... It it's great. just for, um, yes, being like I am. So I just like to do this and maybe later on I'm going to start um, hand, handstand or oh. what, what's... Yeah, handstands? Yeah, yes. Okay, so you're just a ding-a-dingling happy human being. Somehow, <laughs> yes. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. <laughs> okay. Okay. So just for our listeners, you can probably hear the voice of this crazy dog screaming and it's our friend, the dingling dong happy guy, that he's having his balls almost ripped off by a little chihuahua that is here in the park. So there are dangers of the FKK in the FKK Hasenhead. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. 
Guckste, hörste, klickste. Das nächste Interview machen wir hier mit der nächsten Person. And he has such beautiful green eyes. He came in with the sunglasses and I was like, oh, whatevs. And then he took off the sunglasses. It's the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen in a man. Okay, now you can okay. go Leider hat sich schon verliebt. Jetzt werde ich doch mal unseren neuen, neuen Gesprächspartner interviewen. Magst du mir sagen... Oh, die beiden flirten schon so viel, ich komme gar nicht dazwischen. <lacht> okay, würdest du uns erzählen, wie du heißt, warum du hier bist, ob du öfter hier bist in dieser, dieser FKK-Area, in diesem Park oder, oder was dich da, dazu bewegt hat, warum du gerne hier bist, keine Ahnung, irgendwas von dir. Ähm, ja gut, also ich bin öfter hier, ich heiße Erkut und bin ja, seit zehn Jahren öfter hier. Frische Luft, fkk also ehrlich gesagt, FKK ist etwas, was mir sehr liegt. Das ist sehr kulturbehaftet in Deutschland. Und ja, das mag ich einfach. Ich propagiere es gerne und ich mache es auch gerne frei. Also nicht da, wo es abgeschottet ist, sondern gerne einfach frei ist für die Menschen. Were you born in Turkey? I'm born here. You're born I'm here. From, Where you I'm from, from Berlin. Yeah. Oh, so, okay, yeah. yeah. I'm Berlin. Yeah. But Turkish. Hm? Do you ever go back? Are there a lot of new things there? Go back to Kreuzberg? Yeah. To, 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 do you have family in Turkey? <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you, are there any like new things there? Or is it more? New parks, beaches? Nackt, also irgendwelche Nacktstrände? In Turkey? Mm -hmm. uh, just for tourists. Yeah, just I for think tourists. so, but uh, I don't know. It's not really. I never gone there. Yeah. Die Einheimischen, die würden da nicht unbedingt. Einheimischen nicht wirklich, no. Yeah. The Turkish people doesn't do FKK, that's more European style FKK. Yeah, yeah it's not American, definitely not American. Yeah, it's European. I think Italian people also no. do yeah. less yeah. With FKK. Yeah. But I'm from Yugoslavia, so we do a lot of FKK. You do a lot of, yeah, yeah. in the East they do a lot yeah. of yes, FKK, yes, yeah, yes. To, to show you freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that's you. Cool. Dankeschön, super. Okay, so this is a funny story. This was the funny interview of the day. So we met this little threesome in the park. We saw them at the horizon. It is two young, very young Turkish boys that were naked. And this elder lady, she was around, I think, 70 or 75 years old. And she was naked, sitting on his lap, on one of the two young boys. So they approached us. They actually left the park with the big smiles on their faces. And we were wondering, where are they going? So, of course, we asked them for an interview and we stopped them. And this was the result. I got to boat. Yeah. Berlin, good, yeah? Yeah. Berlin, showing good. Ja, Berlin ja. ist schön. Ja, Berlin ist schön. FKK Berlin ist ja. immer besser. Ja. Ja. Was ist denn das Schöne an FKK? FKK, für, ja, dass man den Wind spürt und die frische Farbe und, und alles. So, this lady was very eager to tell us about her um, idea of FKK, of the nudist experience. And she said, well, she loves the fresh feeling, she loves the wind on her skin and the fresh color that you get from being outside naked. And when I asked her if it was, if there was just the, just the spot, body experience or if it was an ideology she said no no it's also an ideology and she wouldn't mind living in a small village where everybody was naked and maybe um, 
um, maybe even some people naked and some not. And she started uh, telling me about her crazy fantasies about this village. <laughs> Then, of course, I wanted to know how did she get to know those two boys, because that was the obvious, the obvious thing for us. And she said, well, over the last few days, they, they have gotten to know each other. And um, so every summer is different. And in this one, they just got to know each other. And then they, they do things together. And then she started laughing. <laughs> and that's how they left us, going with big smiles on their faces and laughs to some sort of a party or whatever. We don't know what happened. But you see, at the FKK parts of Berlin, old ladies have fun with young boys. And we're loving it. They're not afraid of their bodies. They're not afraid of their sexuality. And they want to be free. But we asked as well the opinion of the two young Turkish boys and what were they doing in the park. Let's listen to it. <laughs> do, you, do you come here to the park to look at girls or do you come to enjoy being naked? Okay, so he said that it's a good park to look yeah. at girls. So he, they are just coming here openly just to look. That's okay. what he said. Naked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Danke. Okay, thank, thank you. So after a little threesome, um, now here is Silvia from Italy. Hallo. <laughs> Hallo, ich bin Silvia. Ich komme aus Italien und ich bin hier in Berlin seit vier Jahren. And she's usually in the park, this area of the park, but her husband couldn't come today. So she said, well, actually, I want to go. And then she thought, nothing can happen to her. This is Berlin. It's safe. There are going to be nice people. And she just like put up a little bit, bit of courage and she came here. Then actually, she said when she saw us, she felt totally safe and good. And then she got out her book and started reading. Unfortunately, she says there's not that many women here. But she doesn't really notice when, when guys are looking. Actually, she doesn't even want to see that. So she blocks them out and go, just goes on with relaxing. Then she talked about um, how in Italy, where she comes from, nudism is prohibited. And she only experienced it here because she finds it's, it's really terrible that you can't be, can't be free and nude in nature, which she really enjoys, especially the first couple of times when she went into the water it was such an amazing feeling for her that she she never wants to do anything else of course her grandmother and mother and even her sister wouldn't do that and she even admitted that she saw her mother naked for the very first time um, just recently when she's almost 40 years old so this is how different cultures treat naked bodies also ich habe meine Mutter nackt gesehen vor ein paar Jahren in Marrakesch in einer Haman und ich bin fast 40 Jahre alt. Also das sagst schon alles. <lacht> Verstehe. Wow, danke schön. Vielen, vielen Dank für das tolle Interview. Großartig. Ultimo grido, viva il nudismo. Grazie. So we were talking about her being threatened by uh, uh, 
by maybe by men here but she said that actually she got more threatened when she was uh, just having a sunbath in her bikini in the nun nudist part of the uh, of the park so she said that she feels much more safe actually in the nudist part as well because if anybody would even dare to disturb a woman all the park would raise and help her right away so all women should feel quite safe in the fkk parts of the parks in berlin and while talking to Sylvia, we saw at the horizon this old crazy lady coming straight from the hippie 70s, still completely in the hippie look and still probably on aces since 40 years. We asked her a few questions. She answered with not so much sense, but that was fun as well. Do you come here often to this part of the park? Depends on my own mood. <laughs> so, which which kind of mood do you like when you come? No, in? when I'm in the kitchen, I jump a ladder because I want to wash houses, to clean the windows, and then I think, no, I'm too lazy. Then then I jump down really <laughs> carefully to go to the park, and then no, then I get, go into my room and think. I want a cigarette. Where is my tobacco? <laughs> so today I was down and bought, bought a tin. Okay. Tobacco. Okay. Paper. <laughs> tobacco. Do you come here alone in the park or do you come with no, friends? No, friends. When I see this yeah. blanket, I know who is this yeah, and I know this nice man. Yeah. Too. I know this behind there is Tita. <laughs> <laughs> so you know everyone no, here? No, not everyone. Without Tita, he always trains the gay people. <laughs> yeah, normally we are not allowed to sit here. This is a meadow for gay. Is it? Schwul. Is it only for gay people here? No, they're for, no. for everybody. Now, yeah, sometimes people are very, very, very too tolerant. That means you go into the bushes, don't mind how you then come out. <laughs> Sex. Sex. And this is really new for me because I'm from Asia, so we don't really have a kaka. <laughs> um, but then I think it was last five years I started to to do it with friends and then yeah I started to like it so then now just from time to time I just come along to the park and then do it yeah enjoy myself here and yeah <laughs> I have a question is it is it prohibited in Asia or where you come from from in Taiwan uh, or? Yeah, no it's actually not totally prohibited but there are some areas on the beach you can do that but it's not a very common thing it's not very popular and then yeah, I'm, I mean, if in, if I'm at home, if I have time, maybe I would go there too. But it's not like as common as here, where in almost in each park you can find an area to do that. So, I I think here it's um, the people here living in Berlin. They really enjoy not only enjoying but they really understand the concept of freedom that means just like they can do whatever they want but of course without disturbing the others but there's a sense here that people really do what they feel like they really enjoy themselves being themselves and then and no one is judging here everyone is very open about everything about about different sexuality about men women old people young people and everything and that's really really a great thing about Berlin this made this city very unique and personally I come from Asia it's which is 
suppress a little bit sup yeah, suppress culture and where you are not allowed to do a lot of things. <laughs> um, here, here is totally different. And then, yeah, I, I think this is just breathing here. It's just you can breathe the freedom. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a question. Okay. And you, I, I will see you. <laughs> yeah, you, because before the microphone went on, you kind of confessed to me that uh, sexuality is one of your, fa of your favorite topics. <laughs> <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> it's the favorite topic of our radio show as well. Of, oh, it's okay. our favorite topic. So, is there? Do you see any connection between, like, yeah, free and and nude in the park and and sexual ideas, or is it to totally different? Separate. <laughs> uh, how to say that? Um, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, well, here at uh, many parks in Berlin, as I know, there's um, is combining FKK with with uh, the backyard, the, the backside within <laughs> the bush, and then you find some people they might find each other attractive and then have some action going on there, and then for me, I think. Yeah, why not? I mean, yeah, if you, yeah, <laughs> if you like each other, and then yeah. it's a beautiful day, and then you have everyone has good feeling about themselves, about each other, and then why not embrace sexuality in a most freedom way yeah. in the park, in the public areas? I mean, why not? Yeah. Have you seen or like witnessed any of this here around here? This place this specific uh, spot here uh, at this part yes I I knew that or well, not today but I knew that here behind the bushes they uh, some some actions going okay. on there sometimes <laughs> uh, so I yeah obviously I've seen it and then yeah okay so. <laughs> just interested of course maybe we should do the next interview in the bushes I don't know <laughs> the next topic of the episode is gonna be the bushes of Berlin <laughs> Okay, thank you very much thank for you. this interview and uh, have a great naked day. Yeah, thank you very much yeah, and you too. <laughs> you. 88.4 Kreatives Radio für Berlin. Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. So, we put our clothes back on in the park and then we walked back to the radio studio here. And we're very sun-kissed and we're very happy. And not to forget, we might have some questions to ask you, my dear audience. So if you want to answer our questions, here's the phone number again. It's a long number, so please listen closely. It's 900 59742. So actually the questions I would like you to answer is um, about the topic of our next episode, which is going to be online dating. And I'm sure many of you have made some experiences. So would you please tell us your best experience, your most funny situation, or the weirdest thing that happened to you while online dating? We are so excited and so curious to hear about it. Please call. But now we're waiting for another phone call. Yeah, so this is a, a very special time for us. So please listen closely. And 
and it is the time of our interview of the month and we are very happy this month to have Dusty Summers, yes, the nude magician, the uh, the Las Vegas only new magician, and <laughs> you have to know, Dusty Summers, that this is actually our special summer episode, and that's why we have you on the show, because of your name, and as well, uh, this uh, episode is very special, because it's an episode about the nudist side of Berlin. So we are exploring the nudist camps and the nudist beaches and the nudist activities that you can do in Berlin. So we thought that you were uh, obviously the perfect person to interview in this episode. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have to know this. I don't know. You, you, may, you may not find that to be quite as true as you think. <laughs> okay. We will find out though. <laughs> So for our listeners that don't know you, we have to tell them that you are also the author of three books. So the first one is The Lady is a Stripper, and then as well, How to Be a Professional Stripper, and the last one is The Golden String. And you also were writing columns uh, for magazines uh, during your I, travels. Th there is also a fourth book. Oh! Ooh. Did it come out so already? My most recent book is called The Magical World of Burlesque. Oh. Yes. Oh yes, of course, yes. So four books in total, and uh, I have read, I have read them, and so I have read a little bit about your childhood and obviously the difficult uh, relationship that you had with your father, and uh, how did you, how you started writing? You started writing uh, little novels uh, uh, hidden in your room, and you would actually get punished by your father because he didn't believe that you wrote them. So you can tell us a little bit about your childhood, about your early years, and especially what we want to know, obviously, is uh, when and how did you start burlesque? I am the, the product of an abusive home life. My sister and I both, my father was a very, uh, uh, very cruel, and he would beat us for things such as not saying, yes, daddy, in the proper tone. And uh, so he used various instruments to be us with, including a two by four, a sore handle, a belt. We actually kind of liked the belt because it didn't hurt nearly as much as that two by four. Mm. And his fists and uh, anything that was handy. So uh, as we got older, the beatings increased. And I have scars all over me. I'm very fair-skinned, so the scars don't show, at least not on the outside so well. Uh, so as we got older, the beatings increased. And there was a time where, because I had run away from home, that he decided the best way to prevent me doing that again was to uh, make us strip down before he would beat us. And then he had us sit on top of uh, big brown ant hills because he liked watching the ants bite us. It was not, it was a very terror, terrorist type of bringing up. And so for many years after, um, you know, be, when I became an adult, for many, many years I had terrible nightmares and my sister was under psychiatric care from the time she was 18 years old until the day she died. She died about three or four years ago. It leaves a lasting impression on you, but for me, the main lasting impression was that I never wanted my daughters to ever feel about me the way I felt 
about my father. So you can have good, you can actually get a positive out of a negative. Right, and after all those horrible experiences, where where did your self-esteem and your power come from to to become such a powerful lady? What do you think? I copied desperation was part of it. <laughs> uh, when I ran away for, I suppose you could call it the last time, I really ran away with the idea that there couldn't be anything any worse than staying with him or staying there. And it was it was kind of a low point a low low point and a high point in that I just felt somehow I had to do anything at all to change my own world because I had no world. I my father took me out of school. I every day, all day, every time my name was called and any time I knew he was there, I knew that the terror, the punishment, the beating Uh, it was going to be moment to moment, hour to hour, and I had to I had to get away. So I I thought everybody lived the same way we did, but even at that, I <laughs> figured it couldn't be any worse somewhere, anywhere. And so I found out that actually there was a whole different world, and I was very surprised. I also found out there were other teenagers. You know, I was 14 when I left. And there were other teenagers who came from just as abusive a childhood as I did. But the adults around me at the time, later on, I talked to some of them that knew my parents. And they told me they suspected. They didn't know, but they suspected that they were too afraid of my father to do anything. Oh, my God, this is giving me goosebumps while you're talking and telling us about it. So, um, yeah, I just... Really, I mean, so how did you get into into burlesque from there? This is a very interesting question, actually. Yes, let's as when you I, say. Let, when I lived, I lived in foster homes for a while, and um, you know, music was um, you know for all teenagers. I think music is an outlet and a means of expression and a sort of a freedom. But for me. I wanted to express what I felt in the music, so I would dance for myself. I lived in one large foster home, and I was outside in the backyard dancing to something, and some of the foster sisters were watching me, and my foster mother came out and told me not to do that anymore. I'd wind up being a stripper. <laughs> and uh, I took dance in high school one one whole semester. The, the teacher was very shocked when the one who did very well was me. Huh. I made the highest grade in class on my my interpretation. And after I got out of school, I danced for myself in my living room or whatever to any music that I found that I could steal. <laughs> and I didn't, at the time, I'd never had any dance lessons, so I never thought of making a living as a dancer other than that I had seen the movie Gypsy when I was a little girl and I rather liked that. I thought, yes, well, that's, that's kind of like Cinderella, you know, it's, it was a Cinderella story to me. Mm -hmm. And around the 60s is when the Google dance craze began, you know, the and you'd see them on television dancing in the little cages and so on. But the first time I got a chance to audition, I was, I think I was 17 or 18 in Portland, Oregon. 
and I wasn't old enough. Oh. And he told me he'd love to hire me, but I had to be 21. Eventually, I made myself, I was back in Phoenix, Arizona, where you only had to be 18. And I saw an ad in the newspaper for go-go dancers. Now, this is when they wore the fringe bikinis uh. long before the topless or anything, especially Phoenix, because they were much more conservative at that time. And I went into this club with no costume. I had a like a fancy blouse and a short skirt on. I figured that's what I would be auditioning in. That was the fanciest thing I owned. And the owner uh, presented me with a white fringe bikini from Fredericks of Hollywood. And he showed me a page out of the Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. He said, this is what you will look like. And I thought, oh, my God, is he going to be disappointed. <laughs> so he left me to change into this. This was during the daytime in the afternoon. The, this was a working man's club, you know, where they would come in and have a drink when they got off of work as carpenters and plumbers and whatever, you know, trade-type jobs, and a few people on their way to the airport. So uh, I got dressed in the costume, and I came out, and he wanted me to audition the one song I remember because I, I've used it since is Let There Be Drums by Sandy Nelson because he wanted to see if you could move uh, very well. And I don't even remember what the other two songs were, but I auditioned and there was kind of a short stage um, in, in, in the round. And the guys were just crapping something ferocious and I, I felt so great. <laughs> and he hired me immediately. And I thought, boy, I think I've just come home. <laughs> and it was, uh, I had never felt pretty because my father told me I was ugly. Stepping on stage in that bikini, I had never even worn a bikini before in my life. <laughs> uh, and having these people smiling and laughing and clapping and the approval. And uh, it was just great. And, you know, as a gold dancer, you got to do what you wanted to do to whatever music you wanted to play on the, you know, we used the jukebox. And since I wasn't really sure if this was just a fluke or not, <laughs> I went and auditioned at a couple of other clubs and I was working two clubs at a time. And it, it was marvelous. <laughs> so do you think that for you, burlesque was really like a therapy? Uh, yeah, it was like a Cinderella story. I went from, <laughs> you know, Miss Plain Jane to you know, a semi-sex symbol of some sort, you know. And then Phoenix, Arizona, at the time, topless was as far, uh, not topless, but a bikini was as far as you could go. And they even wanted to make sure that the back of the bikini bottoms, the bikini bottoms were wide enough. <laughs> so okay. then little by little, you know, they want more and more. The next thing you know, they wanted us to wear a net bra, that's a see-through bra with pasties. And then... Chris Starr, who owned a real small dive, she had been a an old-time burlesque performer uh, back in the 30s or 40s, and she, along with a man named Monkey Kirkland, who was an old-time burlesque comedian, and um, some other people were going to put together a revival of old-time burlesque, and this was in probably about 1967, I guess. And they're going to put together this old-time burlesque show. And they had already hired a chorus line, some other 
people, but the, the chorus line wasn't learning their steps quickly enough, and they'd had the whole summer. So um, I went down along with three other girls. It was interesting. I got to be a parade girl. That meant you just walked down the stage in a fancy costume, and, and then you stood there. And then I got to be in the chorus line, but they had put me at the end or in the middle because I was too short. And then they had talking parts, which I'd never done, so I got to do that. And then the next thing you know, as business went down, and it didn't, it didn't do what they thought it was in downtown Las Vegas, uh, downtown uh, Phoenix. They started letting people go. That meant every time they let people go, the ones of us who were left wound up doing more things in the show. And then eventually, I wound up having to do my own spot as an exotic dancer, which I had never done. And uh, Chris Starr loaned me one of her costumes. The first one was uh, Little Miss Egypt with all these veils and panels. It was lime green. I thought it was the most gorgeous thing in the world. But I got it the day I was supposed to use it. And I did um, that Little Miss Egypt belly dance song. <laughs> and I had never worn the costume before nor ever took it off before the very first time. So I would unhook the wrong veil. So I'm sure it was more of a comedy show, my <laughs> first show, than it was an actual burlesque show. But it was my first taste of it, you know. Then each week we were supposed to be something different or someone different, you know, which gave me the um, incentive to be more creative. And, and of course, in burlesque, you, are, you really have to be creative because people are not choreographing um, burlesque acts. I guess they, they used to many years ago, but at, at my time, your own individual act, you choreographed it, you put the music to it, you uh, created the costumes for it, and so on. And so for a while, I kind of went back and forth between burlesque and go-go dancing because there wasn't a lot of burlesque in the West. And eventually, I went on the road, but I had to go to the East Coast to actually do burlesque. So just to explain to our listeners, so until 1968, you only sort of go-go dance, and it's in 1968 that you actually started doing proper burlesque routines. Is that correct? Uh, that's, a, that's approximately correct. 1966 was go-go dancing. Okay. And it would be 1967, probably the first of uh, burlesque, and I performed in... Um, Phoenix, and then I went down to Tucson, and I was performing as a go-go dancer part of the night, and I would do burlesque routines, and it kind of set me apart from the other go-go dancers, so uh, it also made me the headliner because I was I was the so-called something different at that time. Yes, because of course the evolution of striptease was already at some other point and you were the only one, I mean, you were one of the few that were still interested into that kind of burlesque of the 1930s and the 1940s. On the West, it was go dancing pretty much is all that it was, unless you were someone like me who decided I could do both and I did do both. And the clubs that I worked at they liked it. It made me the different girl on the block, the different one who did something besides just the shimmy shake of go-go dancing, you know, until I decided to uh, completely give up the... Actually, I got 
tired, you know? Go-go dancing is really hard work. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sometimes if we dance to a that's, live that, band, that's how we you maintain 45 minutes straight with a 15-minute break. That's a long time. That's how you maintain your amazing body in such a good shape and being sexy still nowadays. So coming to that, you talked you're, about you're the revival out. of burlesque in, uh, in the, for that for the show, but there has been a second revival of burlesque, which was when Paula, the Swedish housewife, called you, right? To explain to you that there was the Burlesque Hall of Fame and the legends were still performing on stage again. How did that feel? I had heard uh, about uh, Exotic World, which was in Hellendale, California. I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And when I, my husband and I took a vacation trip to California, uh, we actually drove out and saw Dixie Evans and the Exotic World Museum, and she gave us a guided tour through it. And this was probably 2004, or about 2004, I think. And then a couple of years later, got a call from Paul, the Swedish housewife, wanting to know if I would come back to Las Vegas and appear as a legend for uh, Exotic World. And I said, well, I'm up in South Dakota right now, and I, um, I don't know about that. I said, and finally she kept talking. I said, okay, I'll come down but I'm not taking anything off. I'll do a piece of magic, but I'm not taking anything <laughs> off because I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to see anyone my age taking anything off. But we do. And, uh, <laughs> I did it. I know, but I was, I was just, you know, I was floored. Anyway, when I, I did come down, and then I, Kitten dad, Miss, uh, she was a Miss Dade Universe. Uh, she was a big, big star. I had written about her, as a matter of fact, uh, many times uh, back in the 70s, uh, I met up with her and some of the other people that I hadn't seen in many years, and it was just a really great weekend, and uh, I was so surprised to find that these younger neo-burlesque people were interested in me and interested in our story and how we did what we did. I didn't think about it anymore because it was no longer part of my life. And I have since performed at the Burlesque Hall of Fame every year since 2006. Wow. Yes, and I was really lucky to see you performing and doing such an amazing job in 2013 when I attended the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And it's just so powerful and inspiring to see you ladies perform on that stage. I mean, the... The Friday night is my favorite at the Burlesque Hall of Fame because I spend my whole evening just crying, crying, crying with a big smile of my face, just looking at the at the power of you woman on stage. And you're such an inspiration because my biggest dream in life is to uh, get old just like in the way that you did with still being so strong and still having this like sort of self-confidence about your body and your sexuality and not being afraid to express it? Well, I, like I said, for most of us, it, you know, when we talk amongst ourselves about uh, burlesque being back in our lives between Facebook and Burlesque Hall of Fame and the Internet and so on, I've reconnected with people that I had not seen uh, you know, I worked with them 40 years ago, but I hadn't seen them in 20 years or 30 years. It's brought back 
into my life. It's brought back old friends, and it's brought back lots and lots of new friends, which is just fantastic. And it's it's really um, so wonderful to see the resurgence. What I really want to know is how do you feel about your performing at your age and with this beautiful body that has experienced so many years of dancing, of naked dancing too? How does it feel for you? I can feel the parts I don't want anyone to see, but I still maintain um, physical uh, exercise. I do five miles every morning. I weight lift six days a week. Whoa! I reverse. <laughs> I rehearse my magic uh, three or four days a week. I rehearse one burlesque show three or four days a week, unless I'm doing something new, and then I will rehearse it every day for at least an hour for a month or so before I put it into a actual act. Oh, wonderful! If you what I'm saying. So it, it, I'm trying to keep I'm trying to keep what's left in the best shape that I can. And you're you know. doing a great job. You look so beautiful and amazing. And the best part, obviously, is just your smile on stage well, and just this amazing have energy such good that you. Taste. <laughs> huh? What? I love your opinion. It's great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just gonna go repeating and repeating and repeating on how much we love you. So <laughs> you're gonna hear this many, many times during this interview. So going back to the good old days, uh, we know that you were writing columns, right? For magazine at that time. Yes. Telling all of yes, your I... adventures with your colleagues and Kitten Natividad I... and many others. So maybe you would like to share with us, uh, I don't know, some amazing stories. Actually, this last book is a collection of uh, columns from several uh, newspapers I wrote for, including Vegas Visitor in Las Vegas. And the columns are from 1973 to 1986. So I, I uh, got to interview uh, Delilah Jones, uh, Kitten Natividad, Georgette Dante, Joey Bishop, Sammy Davis Jr., I interviewed people who were magicians, who were entertainers, who were in burlesque, and I got to find out how they got started and what their future aspirations were, how they felt about uh, being in burlesque or what got them started or why they were continuing. And most of them, uh, you know, they were just, if you substituted the word typist for burlesque, they were just like everybody else. They're trying to make a living. They had families to support. And burlesque allowed us all the freedom of making a decent living, working a shorter amount of hours, you know, so we could be home with our kids, and also getting to be glamorous. You know, not many housewives get to be glamorous, but we did. <laughs> There's things in burlesque that you could do that you couldn't do in any other uh, field. You know, I got to travel all across the United States and all over Canada. Um, I got to work with people I mightn't have ever been able to work with. For the girls nowadays that are that are just starting out, or and some that are, have become relatively successful, this is a whole different world now. You know, where we used to do very long shows. And we were often the only entertainer in the nightclub. Now the girls are doing, you know, three, four, five minutes. And if they work once or twice a month, that's quite a lot. Where we were doing four, 
five, six shows every day of the week and all over the country. But talking about those old times, where the back- backstage is fun, tell us a little bit about some backstage stories, some funny stories that you had on the road. Well, I can tell you some. I'll tell you one that's, that is funny, and this is much more recent. You know, um, Vegas Nocturne, we had probably, oh, I'm going to say 15 or 16 girls in a rather small dressing room. And we we did a lot of what they call quick changes because we had different costumes we had to wear for different things. So sometimes you're in a hurry. And I was trying to get my G-string off. And, you know, that's elasticized. So I got the G-string off, but I couldn't find it. It had shot away from my hands. I'm looking all over the dressing room. I didn't want someone else to find my indelicate g-string and i finally found it i had looked i looked up and everyone kept their shoes on this shelf up above the uh, mirrors of the dressing room and my g-string was hanging off the high heel of one of the other dancers (laughs) and it just um you know was kind of like i couldn't have done it on purpose if i had tried (laughs) (laughs) oh we're all out g-strings and during shows and afterwards (laughs) Yes. And if yes. our if our listeners only knew what our G strings and Americans look like, they wouldn't they be very excited. <laughs> and one dressing room in uh, in Florida, it was very very tiny. It was like it was small, like a janitor's closet. And I'm in there trying to dress pretty much in the dark. I'm the only actor in the show, so there's nobody back there but me. And I go to put on my high heels, and as I I have one high heel on one foot and I go to pick up the other shoe and out comes this huge palmetto cockroach. Oh! And all I can think about, I mean, I'm screeching and screaming up and down and jump. I'm thinking I've already got one shoe on my foot. What if there's a cockroach already in that shoe? (laughs) And here I am having a minor breakdown or a nervous breakdown all by myself and nobody there to help me. You're still alive. <laughs> I'm still alive, yes. The cockroach did not get me. Did the cockroach scare you more than the guy that was that you tried to kill with a gun? <laughs> uh, yes. No, I didn't shoot him with a gun. I stomped him with my shoe. <laughs> it worked very, very well. So we talked before about some I mean, men that weren't so kind to you, but we know as well that you had... So many husbands. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So you did fall in love with so many men as well. You know, I'm a romantic. Oh. And, um, I, at the time, you know, it, it, in the in the older days, it wasn't so acceptable to just live with somebody. You know, you were, uh, guys would describe the women who lived with them as their shack-ups in I didn't like that expression. I didn't want to be anybody's shack up. So I married him instead. As I self-analyze myself, I have a short attention span. I bore easily. Uh And most men will wind up boring you rather rapidly. Or in some cases, they just were so jealous and so possessive. It was like being in a prison cell. 
you know, always worried about whether you're going to look at another man. I'm, I'm not one of those kinds, you know, I'm, the man I'm with is the man I'm with. I'm not looking for another man. And there's plenty of them out there. <laughs> or as my foster mother used to say, if you don't like that one, get rid of him. Just tie a, what she say, tie a can to his tail. There's another one waiting around the corner. <laughs> and I guess in your case, that must have been really true. You must have had dozens and, do and dozens of men trying to seduce you after your show. Do you, do you there, remember there what, were, what was your were, biggest fan? What was the craziest thing that a fan did for you? Well, I don't know. I didn't, my fans weren't... I, I was lucky I didn't have the stalkers and stuff. I had men that bought me, that would bring me inexpensive jewelry. One guy brought me a dress, probably got it from his mother because it sure didn't look good on me. And, uh, you know, the little gifts and they'd send me flowers or buy me shoes or wanted to take me to dinner. Actually, you know, I met most of my husbands where I was working. And even the one I'm married to now, this he's number nine. <laughs> But we have been married for 26 years. Oh. And he, so I gave him my book, um, The Lady is a Stripper, This is before it was published. I gave him that book and I told him, you have to read this first so that you won't have any excuses. You'll know all about me. And then <laughs> if you still want to be involved, but you already know all about me, then you can't say, well, I didn't know. Oh. And so that worked so and that lasted. Know. <laughs> and it's still lasting now. Yeah. So one little question. What what did your daughters think about your career? What do they think about it today? And mo I mean, more than knowing what did they think about it at those times, I'm more, almost more interested. Did they come to see you at Beehof or Vegas Nocturne? What yes. did they think about you on stage now? Were they happy? Were they proud? Well, when, when they were little, they enjoyed the traveling. They didn't really know... Uh, You know, they didn't see me perform because it wasn't really, um, you could take children into clubs at the time. When they got older, you know, in their uh, late teens, they did see me perform and they liked what they saw. And they, uh, from the time they were 10 or 11 years old, we also did straight magic. And we went out and did shows for rest homes and such as that. And they were my assistant. So they they got to participate in a little of it, you know, just that part where I wasn't taking anything off. And now that I'm back in it, they have come and seen me at Burlesque Hall of Fame. And uh, they they enjoy it. Um, but uh, they're both proud of me. And uh, they enjoy, and my, and my husband is, he calls himself, when we go out together and it's for something I'm doing, he calls himself Mr. Summers. <laughs> This is wonderful because my daughter just saw me perform for the very first time too. But um Oh yeah? Yeah, Lily Tiger, she has a 16 old years old daughter. So, actually, I have a question um because uh, one of your books I think is called How to be a professional stripper, right? So, do you have any any advice for for burlesque performers? We have many uh, burlesque performers that listen to our show and they always love the tips of the legend. So maybe you can just give okay. us like two or three tips about how to become the best stripper in the world, just like you are. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, make, I'll give you two or three short ones. Yes. <laughs> One of them is probably the most difficult and that's hold your stomach, Yun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, with stand up tall, Or as they say, uh, Rusty Warren used to say, knockers up, 
hold your shoulders back and your boobies out, hold your chin up, and keep in mind what you look like when you look in the mirror is the way you want to look to an audience. And look your audience in the eye. Make each one out there feel that you're performing for them and them alone. Make that eye contact when you can and smile. Awesome. Perfect. So posture, posture, posture. Posture, posture, y'all. Stand up straight. You know, if you're pointing a toe, put some stretch into that leg. If you're pointing your hand, put some stretch into that arm, you know. Yes. And, uh, and, and good posture will, you know, good posture alone will probably take five to ten pounds off of your figure. It makes you look like you're slimmer than you are. It's so, it's so amazing because this is exactly what I teach in my workshops as well when I give burlesque workshops it's exactly what I say to the yes. girls so for me it's very uh, I have I'm having goosebumps because you're exactly saying the things that I believe in so for me personally it's yes. so amazing that you're saying that so um, one last little thing and then we will end the interview here in just one word what is burlesque to you Simply sexy. Ah, beautiful. All right, and we're gonna and we're gonna go back uh, to the rest of our episode, which is about nudism. So, okay. Did you? So, just to go, we oh, experienced so many things here in Berlin. The tantric nude yoga. We went today to the nudist part of a park in Berlin, and so and so on. So maybe. Do you have uh, one little funny nudist story? The very first time I ever went nude, they had um, uh, a light that kind of looked like what was on your body. It looked psychedelic. They could put slides in it, you know? So even though you were in the nude, they really couldn't see you. Uh -huh. And the owner, after my show, he said, well, did you go nude? I said, yeah. He said, well, I didn't see you. I said, well, you really got to look hard. <laughs> But uh, I, I did find that for me, doing magic gave me an excuse not to just have to stand there and have it all hang out. <laughs> I had a, a way to display being nude without just being flagrantly nude. I've seen girls go nude where they're laying there and they've got their legs spread open and it's a gynecological view of their insides. And I don't think that's sexy. So you so, rather leave some leave some to the imagination. Unfortunately, some of the the nightclubs over the years, the nightclubs and the theaters began expecting that kind of performance out of burlesque performers, and so many of us we actually quit as much for that reason as the fact that there just wasn't uh, you know good places to work really anymore. Now we've gone back to where. There is a semblance of modesty. All right. Thank you so much for these wise words and for these stories and for all the wisdom that you well, shared with us tonight. Thank you for being interested. <laughs> I really appreciate you being interested. And this interview, of course, is going to stay forever. And uh, your stories are going to stay with us and with the burlesque performers of this generation and hopefully of the next ones and many, many next ones as well. Thank you very much, Lad. I appreciate talking to you and to your audience. Thank you. Bye-bye. 88.4 Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. 
Wow, what an amazing interview that was. I still have goosebumps. And um, yeah, that was that was great. But we want to go back to our nudist experience um, that we made over yes. the past two weeks. And, um, Because something else gave us goosebumps. Ooh, yes, it gave us goosebumps and made us sweat, actually. Ooh. Yes. Yep, that wasn't sex this time. I know what you're thinking, listeners. But very close, I have to say. <laughs> so, guess what? Lada and I... We went to a naked yoga class together. There is a place in Schöneberg, um, and it's the it's called the Diamond Lotus Tantra Institute, and they offer a naked tantra yoga class every Monday evening at eight o'clock, from eight to ten. Two hours of pure pleasure and relaxation. It's so amazing. We definitely suggest you to attend. Yes, and we attended and of course we didn't really know what was going on. I really do a lot of yoga. It was all new to Lada, so but it was new to both of us that we were going to do this naked. So we just waltzed in and then had a look. <laughs> Maybe we should add that the founder of this institute is Andro, a man who is not only known in, in Schöneberg and Berlin or Germany even, but internationally and is apparently in the scene somebody who might be famous even to some of our listeners so listen listen to this this might be interesting for you yes and listen as well to our stories of what happened in the diamond lotus tantra institute we entered the world of an old building in berlin we opened the doors and we found ourselves in this apartment whose smells were reminding us of India with incense and uh, a quiet music and uh, a room full of relaxed people. The room was called the temple, by the way. Yes, exactly. Let's get into the Indian mood. Of course, the rooms are not called rooms, they're called temples. So we <laughs> enter the temple, which is actually the place where people get naked. So very naturally, it is a small room. We all got naked slowly. Some people took a shower before the yoga session. So obviously, I guess so many people are concerned about, you know, their smells and things when you get so close naked to other people. And then we enter the, ro the yoga room. Ah, Uh, this feeling of this uh, uh, soft ground. There was like this carpet and the smells and everybody was so relaxed and quiet. Just Even just entering the room puts you already in such a relaxed mood. Yes, and while we were waiting for the lesson to start, all of a sudden Lady uh, Lada, <laughs> Lada gave me a push and said, I've, I didn't see this at, at the beginning. And there was a giant statue of a penis at one side of the wall <laughs> of the room. <laughs> Obviously, that's what I saw right away. That couldn't I couldn't miss that in the room. I saw the penis right away. I saw the huge penis because there were many other penises in the room, of course, alive. But I, my eyes were attracted by the huge, hard penis. <laughs> a marble one. <laughs> yeah, and it was a statue. It was almost there as if you had to worship it or if you wanted to worship it maybe if you needed I want to, to if I you need needed to. to you could just go over there and kneel I in front want of it and i need to worship the penis <laughs> that's for sure that's my religion <laughs> in the temple of love yes. and naked yoga of course <laughs> 
So what we did were a few exercises of just relaxation of the muscles, um, starting from the head to our full body, the shoulders, and then the arms and the legs, and then a few yoga positions. Well, we have to add maybe that that um, the one of the specialties there is that they're making sounds while they're breathing out. So you you make a sound breathing out, which helps the 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 air that comes back in with your breath uh, come in more naturally more easily more relaxed and it really I wasn't I was so skeptical about it but it really does help as well to uh, stretch the muscles for some reason it, it really really does help and works it does have a sense to do it during the yoga classes so then we went to a few yoga positions and we did as well, some exercises a couple, so we'd choose a partner and then change partners during the different exercises. And then, but we'll tell you more about it during the interview. And afterwards, it, we had this beautiful moment where we sit in a circle with our knees touching each other to exchange the energies. And we had one last goodbye to each other and one last home. And uh, it was a beautiful way to just separate the group and then everyone went back to their own lives probably more relaxed than when they arrived um i stayed in this good mood for quite a few hours it just kept me really i was high i was high on yoga and i have to say i mean this is probably something i wouldn't have done otherwise but it's never it's never wrong to try something new and during the first part, I was almost dreading the second part because uh, our teacher told us that there's going to be partner work. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And then when it started, it felt so natural and and easy and really great. Yes, I'm, I'm very surprised and happy and very relaxed. <laughs> so follow us in the Diamond Lotus Tantra Institute in Berlin and listen to our adventures and to the interview of our amazing teacher, Surya. Sex. Sex. So it's a wonderful Monday evening and Lily Tiger and I had this amazing experience of coming here and having this amazing uh, nude yoga session. As you can hear, usually I'm the one speaking very, very loud in the radio show. And this time I'm so relaxed. And what I really loved about this yoga session is that I forgot everything I left everything outside and even if during the session I was trying to have negative thoughts they just weren't there so I'm feeling extremely relaxed after this session. So we are here in the Diamond Lotus Tantra studio in uh, Berlin Schöneberg and um, as Lada just said we just uh, had the, the most amazing and relaxing and interesting uh, yo Tantra yoga session and yeah, I want to introduce to you our Tantra yoga teacher. So um, I want her to tell you a little bit about her background and about the idea behind this studio. Yeah, hello. My name, <laughs> my name is Surya and uh, ich, uh, bin jetzt hier seit 15 Jahren ungefähr in dem Diamond Lotus Institute und Soria said that she came here and was so 
interested in in the tantra and the massages and everything she experienced here and so so happy with it that she wanted to become a part of this and um, and then she told us about the uh, the institute which has been here for 35 years and it's the one of the oldest or the oldest um, institute in Germany the idea is to bring people back to to connect them again with the with the rest of the world because the energy is what ke keeps us together and um, to get the, the energy flow and their sexuality as well. So maybe one of the questions that would come to my mind first is why the nude yoga? In which way do you think it's different than the normal yoga? Because it's true that I, in my fitness center they do yoga, but it's a different thing because it's not so spiritual. It's more like gymnastic almost. And this was an amazing different experience because it was so human it was it would give you goosebumps and uh, at the fitness center it's not the same thing so maybe you can explain to our listeners why would they prefer doing naked yoga instead of the normal one na warum wir das yoga nackt machen ist einfach dass wir zu unserer natürlichkeit wieder zurückkehren wollen ne? dass wir uns daran gewöhnen nackt miteinander uns auch es auch normal zu finden so, yeah, the idea about nude yoga is uh, to get back to your own, to the natural idea of your body, to get back into, to feel that it's natural to be naked, to feel every part of your body. And if, you, if you've once tried it naked, you don't want to put on clothes anymore. So the next time I go into my yoga studio, they will see me naked. <laughs> I don't know what is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing that is very special here is um, the, we, they, we are making sounds. Um, so it's about the flow of the of the breath and the vibration of the body. And um, so the when you when your breath comes out with a sound, gives a good room for the for the breath that comes back in. So another thing that I really loved about the session is that at the same time it was asexualized, so there was no real sexuality, it wasn't about that. But then at the same time you would find the beauty where in the modern world you don't take the time to find it anymore, maybe in the body of an elder person, maybe in someone who is in front of you that in the street you wouldn't look at him and you wouldn't find him beautiful. And as well, during this session for the listeners, just to explain, we had a moment as a couple, so in two, interacting with another person in front of us. And something that I found really beautiful as a, as a woman personally was that this person, during one of our sort of hugs that we had, stretching and hugging, he touched my belly. And of course, my belly is a little bit fat. And in a normal situation, I would find it maybe uncomfortable to have a man really just taking my fat in his hands. And in this situation, I just felt that it was so natural and he was finding beauty even in this part of my body where in the modern world we would say, oh, you know, this is an imperfection. So I really enjoy the fact that we found beauty in things that we don't take the time to find it normally. Es ist ein, ein Raum, in dem wir auch mit, lernen können, mit unserer Scham umzugehen. 
Ja, das erlebe ich immer wieder, dass die Menschen sich draußen außerhalb unseres Instituts viel schamhafter bewegen als hier. Hier ist ein geschützter Raum. Ich passe auf. It's about what is beautiful is that people don't have to be ashamed here or don't feel ashamed when they see each other, when they're naked, when they see each other and also when touching or connecting it is not about I need, I want something um, but it's just a natural flow so you can be, you can connect you can touch without wanting, without a big idea behind that, just a natural little thing and you can only just experience it and let it go Yes, and then something else that I found um, really natural and beautiful was that one of my partners, he had an erection after after we, we hugged, but there was nothing like, it was so beautiful and so natural and there was nothing really, almost nothing really sexual about this erection. It was just like this natural thing of an energy between the two of us and an exchange that we had. But then, as you said, it ended there and it was a beautiful moment just of exchange. Immer wenn uns Männer anrufen und sagen, sie möchten äh, mal zur Tantra-Yoga-Stunde kommen und nackt soll das sein, dann haben sie immer Angst, dass sie eine Erektion bekommen. Ob Some men who call here and they want to do that Tantra-Yoga, they are a bit worried that they might have an erection and, and if that's okay, and what then? But Surya always says, well, it's, um, that's the natural thing and that's actually that shows that you're in the flow that nothing is hidden or held back just like in, 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 the, in the society outside so that you're all in flow with your, with your body. Und ich sage den Männern auch immer wieder, wenn du eine Frau damit nicht bedrängst, dann ist das okay. Ja? Wichtig ist, dass wir damit wieder natürlich lernen, umzugehen. Also, like one of the most important things is that if you don't confront the woman with your with your erection, with your sexuality and push it, then it's not a problem, you know, it's not nothing, it's nothing to be scared of, it's not nothing that threatens any woman, if it's just there. <laughs> so talking about erections and sexuality, and because our radio show, it's about sexuality and sex, how much do you think that the, this kind of yoga can change your sexuality, and in which way, in your way of Having sex. Na, je mehr wir lernen, mit unserem Körper umzugehen, also da eine Geschmeidigkeit, ist, ist zum Beispiel die Geschmeidigkeit auch ganz schön. So everything from, from the, how the body gets stretched and bent and how flexible it is to, to sitting, to breathing and how open you are. So everything that helps, all, all this comes together and helps with your sexuality. This Tantra-Yoga, was wir hier anbieten, das ist eine offene Gruppe. Das heißt, es sind Menschen hier, die vielleicht noch gar nicht wissen, was sie hier machen sollen oder so. So this um, group, this class that we attended tonight, is an open group. 
for people who come in for the first time, who, who want to try it out, who want to see if they like it, what this place is about. But then also there are different, there are other classes, other groups that are closed, that are regular, um, massages and tantra, um, sexu sexual therapy, all different kinds of uh, kinds of classes where, of course, people can go more into the depth of the whole topic. In den Tantra-Ausbildungen, also jetzt nicht in den Massageausbildungen oder Sexualtherapie, ne, da werden die Menschen eher dazu befähigt, immer in the Tantra Seminars, the main idea is about connecting, about the, the, the sexual connection of two people. And it's in a ritual, a very important ritual. So it's this Maituna, which is the highest uh, form of of this connection between two people and that's where you have to get you have to learn how to how to get there so is it my tuna does the Maituna man becomes a regular partner or is the Maituna just a magical moment of maybe just one time also in der klassischen form kennen sich die partner vorher gar nicht ja, also sie werden vorher ähm, vorbereitet, jeder in einem anderen Raum und sie begegnen sich also in diesem spirituellen Kontext, also nur für die eine Begegnung. Yeah. Ah, okay, so this is interesting. Um, so in the in the pure form or in the, the 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 idea, the pure idea is that the two partners don't know each other at all. So they get they prepare each one separately and then they meet and then then this magic this moment happens diese Vereinigung ist auch in einem rituellen Kontext mit ganz vielen verschiedenen Stufen. Das geht über lange Zeit, über mehrere Stunden, bis die Vereinigung stattfindet. So this unification, it's very sexual, but also at the same time very spiritual. It can take a few hours or even days. So many of our listeners, women, uh, for example, they come to my workshop. I do burlesque classes, workshops, and they have so many problems with being not self-secure about their bodies, coming to my classes and trying just to find, again, their femininity, and probably, in a way, over-sexualizing their body when there's no need probably for for it to be sexual but we live in a society where our body becomes sexual for every single thing we do so quite often girls come to my classes just to find that self-assurance again into their bodies and obviously in this class you have to feel very natural about your body not self-assured but just feel it as a natural thing with its imperfections and whatever so i would just like from you a little less suggestion to our listeners on maybe how to find this uh just natural relationship with their bodies, which in a way, it's also a way to be self-assured and, you know, not uh, think too much about it and not have too many complexes and problems in their heads about their body. Because I think that for women, maybe like us, it's just so easy to be naked in front of other people. But I think that for many of our listeners, it's not that way. They would feel extremely uncomfortable to come in a room and just get naked in front of other people. So just a little advice on how to find this natural relationship with the, your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's important that people feel good. 
Ne? Und dazu mache ich auch Trainings, also mit Frauen direkt. Hier ist die Possibility for women to come in and have spend an hour or have lessons or massages just by one, just them and nobody else. So this is a good way to get into into your body and and the most important thing for self-assurance, yeah, to feel good in your body is um, that you find yourself beautiful and so they can come in here and, and learn to find themselves beautiful. Also it's important, in, for example Tantra massages, the person who gives the massage they don't judge, so they, they just take the body that is there as it is so this is probably a good way the other good way would be to go on a beach naked, <laughs> go swimming and don't put too many clothes on <lacht> ja. Und äh, die Menschen, die Frauen fühlen sich meist dann erst richtig wohl in ihrem Körper, wenn sie auch ganz viel fühlen, wenn sie Lust fühlen können, wenn sie wirklich richtig in ihrem Körper die schönsten Gefühle empfinden, dann lieben sie natürlich ihren Körper und dann finden sie ihn auch schön. The experience says that usually a woman finds her body most beautiful when she can feel with it, when she ha can have the most amazing feelings and, and can appreciate that her body is what makes her feel this way. And this is the very good way to, to love your body. <laughs> That was the perfect advice that we were looking for. So we would like to thank you so much for this wonderful experience. Herzlich willkommen. <laughs> danke, danke. Vielen, vielen Dank. Wir umarmen und küssen uns jetzt und wir hören am liebsten gar nicht mehr wieder auf. Or maybe one last. Hum. Wow, we're back in the studio and as uh, a little bit like Surya suggested, we didn't even want to stain our clothes. So we just took them off again, sitting here naked, talking to you. And this is a very new experience. It's quite exciting, actually. But for those of you who are curious about the Tantra Yoga, of course, we don't want to keep the information from you. So here is the Diamond Lotus Tantra Institute's Uh, phone number and it's located in Berlin so it's the 030-2360-7799 and for those of you who just want to have a look at the website it's www.berliner-tantramassagen.de And with this, dear listeners, we are going to have to say goodbye to you. If you're interested in the FKK sides of Berlin, there are so many more activities. I mean, we could have done 10 episodes about this. I think the weirdest one that we have found probably was the uh, badminton nude tournament for families. So you would go there with your kids, parents and kids to play badminton 
gone naked and have you a didn't even it. have to know the rules no. <laughs> <laughs> another one was uh, the ping pong the table tennis new that's a funny one but i mean seems like in this city in this city of freedom you can do anything naked and uh, i think that uh, lily tiger and i will try to do more and more we're doing a radio show naked right now look yes. at us <laughs> let's just change the name for nude on air instead of burlesque on air i mean <laughs> burlesque on air is too safe <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, uh, you can find many pages on Facebook about FKK. So just look for it. Uh, FKK Berlin, etc, etc. There are groups, there are fan pages. So just try it. Try it out just like we did. Do something that you think you're not brave enough to do. But just try it and you will see that the gates of nakedness are gonna open to you. And it's gonna feel amazing. So farewell, dear listeners, to the next episode. There is going to be a very, very special edition about online dating, dating, which means that Lily Tiger and I will get an inscription in every single website about online dating, OkCupid, Tinder, we will be everywhere. Sex, just dating, romantic, gay, heterosexual, we will be everywhere. Try to find us on Tinder, try to find us on OkCupid, try to find us on the other websites, and most importantly, share your adventures with us. Tell Lada and Lily your stories about online dating. The bad ones, the good ones, the adventures. <sighs> Are you still in a couple with someone that you just met on the internet? Tell us about it. Or didn't it work out at all and you had a horrible experience all over? So just tell us about it that as well. You can do it in many different ways. You can send us an email on questions.burlesconair at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us a message on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash burlesque on air and this is the new thing about radio show we have a phone number you can leave us voice messages there the number is 0049 30 61 09 00 59 742 go grab a, a pen you have 10 seconds and i will repeat it again 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 let's go okay i'll repeat it 0049 30-61-09-00-59-74-2 We are looking forward to receive your messages. <laughs> yeah, so the next episode about the online dating is going to be aired on the 2nd of September, so stay tuned. And you can also follow us on SoundCloud, of course, and you will never miss a show. Responsible for this show is me, Suzanne. And now we all say goodbye and you can try to find Lily and Lada on many online dating web pages, as I will do. <laughs> <laughs> Suzanne, you naughty, naughty girl. She's been quiet for the whole episode and there you go. She's already on her OkCupid okay, um, profile. What? I can see that from here. <laughs> well, it's been a wonderful first episode for me. I want to thank you, um, Lada and Suzanne, and of course, all my listeners. And um, I'm very excited for the next one. And before saying goodbye to you, of course, we are sending a big hug and a big kiss to Lady Lou, who is on her baby break. We miss you so much, but she will be back. And for now... Goodbye. 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 Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ah.